Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I want to um, kind of begin today by, by asking you this question. Have you ever been in a mess and in that mess, you knew that there was something that you could do or say that actually would make that mess messier? Like there's a whole load of options that come up, like a, you know, in your mind, like a whole kind of option on a screen, and you know every single one of those responses to the mess would probably make the mess messier, right? You've all been there. We've all been there, haven't we? And um, and and the question is, you see, what happens is that is that all these different options come, and it's things like this: borrow more, lie more cover up more, pretend more, ignore more, deny more. And all the time we do those kind of responses to the mess we're in, the mess only gets messier. Uh, What if there was a question that we could ask, which if we asked the question, would actually change the outcome of the mess? You see, the word that I want us to look at is this word, messier. Now, I know that's not how you spell messier. For those of you that write in and email in, I know that. But I'm trying to make a point. It's the er that I want to talk about. Because the er that makes messier is what happens when we respond to the mess the wrong way. And you see, there's one question that you and I could ask. And if we ask this question in every mess of our life, whether it's our mess whether it's someone else's mess that they've dragged us into, so now it's become our mess, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's professional, whatever it is, if we ask this one question, it would change everything. And so, to, to, so I asked Alison in the week, hey, could you think of a time when, when I was in a mess and I did something that made the mess messier? And she just laughed. She laughed outright, okay? This is the truth. She said, every time you try to tidy a room, Every time you try to tidy a room, it's messier than when you began. And I was a little bit affronted. But then I realised I do resemble that remark. That is absolutely true. That that's why I'm, Because what I do is I take all the mess and I move it all around and just put it in a different kind of mess. You know, that's fine with the room. But what about with the life? What about with the life? So here's the question we're asking. The one question you should always ask is the title for today. The one question you should always ask. And here it is. Here's the question. What story do I want to tell really? You see, when you're in a mess, the story is not so much about the mess, it's about your response to the mess. What story do I want to tell really? The other side of this, when I look back on the mess, what story do I want to tell? Do I want to tell the story where I was in so much debt that I just borrowed more and borrowed more and got deeper and deeper into debt? Do I want to tell the story where, when, whether I was in this situation where someone hurt me and what I did was I took revenge and I got my own back and it just got messier and messier and messier? Or do I want to tell a different story? And if you're a follower of God today, what does God want that story to be of my one and only life? What story do I want to tell Really. And before I open this up, I want to do a quick recap on last week. And as we said last week, um, this is a talk from North Point from Andy Stanley. We're a partner church, so they've given it to us. So we're using some of his content. And one of the things that he said that I brought to you last week was this. Here's the whole thing about mess. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Anyone said that to themselves this week? I challenge you this week. When you see someone, thank you for the hand on the second row there. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. We're not meant to be critics of others. We're meant to be students. 
What can we learn from others? Because we're a mess as well. And then we went on to say, here's the thing that puts us all on the same path together. The mess that brings us together is the mess that brought God near. It's our mess. And we remember last week we talked about our family mess and our mess and the royal family mess. And you think they're two different ends of the spectrum, but we're all on the same page together. We all have mess, but it's our mess. The mess that brings us together is the mess that brought God near. And here's the truth about God's mess, us and mess that we said last week, that actually God loves us exactly as we are, but too much to leave us exactly as we are. He wants us to change. And the third little idea from last week was our mess is a lens through which we discover God. Now, the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack this one a lot more. Our mess is a lens through which we discover God. You see, when we find ourselves in a mess, if we don't ask that question, we will respond to one of the other bad options that come up in our mind. We will borrow more or lie more or hit back more or ignore more or, de- or deny more or pretend more. But if we ask the question, what story do I want to tell really that could change everything. And what I want to do today is I want to tell you to an Old Testament story. And this is one of my favourite stories in the Bible. And it's set in this place, which is the En Gedi Desert. Now, when we were in Israel a couple of months ago, I am going to talk about Israel a little bit the next few weeks, because what happens when you go to Israel is that all of these places that you read about in the Bible suddenly become alive. And so we were going to the En Gedi Desert, which is where this story was told. But actually, on the day that we were going, there were so many other things happening that we went past it. But we saw some of what the desert looked like. And can I just say, just as a little bit of a plug, so good news, we are taking another trip to Israel this November. Lots of people have already signed up and registered interest. If you're interested, then all you do is you can sign up and here is the link and you register your interest. And then as details and a cost come out, you can decide whether you want to join us in November, November the 8th to the 15th this year. It is going to be amazing. So take that down. If you're interested, sign up. All you do is register interest at this stage, no commitment. But this story that I want to tell is set in the En Gedi Desert and it features one of my favourite Bible characters called David. Now, before we get to the En Gedi, I need to give you a little bit of backstory around David. Now, David was a young shepherd boy who was anointed to be king. Great news. Problem is, there already was a king whose name was Saul. And um, David kind of uh, came into Saul's uh, sphere on uh, one occasion when Saul and the armies were facing off with the Philistines who had a really big guy in their ranks called, come on, you all know the name. And David, this young shepherd boy, took on Goliath and defeated him and overnight became a rock star. He became a national rock star celebrity. So much so that people who used to make songs up about how great Saul was now made up great songs about how David was. And there's not many heroes that can cope with a new hero. And Saul couldn't cope. And this is what the Bible says about it. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. See, not only was he afraid, but he was insecure and he was jealous. And so what he did was he tried to control him by trying to get him to marry one of his daughters and that didn't work. But then later on, he did get him to marry another of his daughters, but it didn't really work because this is what the Bible goes on to say. When Saul realised that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michal loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. And then we enter a classic movie scene 
where Saul then goes on an on a, on a obsession to try and hunt down, track down and kill David. And it ends up with David's um, best friend uh, called Jonathan, who's Saul's son, so he's the prince. They enter into, they have this incredible friendship and, uh, and Saul uses his son in this and it's horrible. And it ends up that David flees into the desert of En Gedi, which is where we're gonna pick the story up several kind of months uh, time later. And um, as, as we get to this story, there's gonna be a moment, okay? We're gonna get to the moment in a minute where David asks the question that changes everything. He asks himself the question, I think, okay, it's not in the Bible, but he asks himself the question really, what story do I want to tell? And there's a whole load of options and I'm going to give you all the options and he could take any of those options, he'd be justified in taking any of those options, but it would make the mess messier. And so here we go uh, in the story. In 1 Samuel 24, I'm going to read quite a lot of Bible today. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, this is another occasion when they were fighting the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Love that as a name. We should have a name like that in the black country, I think. He came to the sheepfolds along the way. A cave was there, and this is deep now, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. I mean, the depth, the truth that you're going to understand is all around this idea and this moment when Saul goes in the cave for a wee. Aren't you glad you came to such a deep church? Because this is what the Bible says. I love the Bible because it just doesn't leave anything out. David, Saul goes in to relieve him. So he's going to have a wee. And Saul and David and his men are in the back of the cave. And here is the moment. Here is the moment when his enemy who has created such a mess for his life. It wasn't his fault. All he did was he showed up in 1 Samuel 17 on the battlefield. He heard the Goliath shouting. He said, what are you doing? Come on, someone's got to take this guy on. He's, he's de defiling the name of the Lord. And he stepped forward and he did what Saul as the king should have done. That's all he did. And he becomes the enemy of the king and he becomes a victim. And month after month after month, he's pursued and pursued and pursued and he's in a mess. And his relational life, his um, wife is being used against him. His friend was, was, was ripped away from him. His birthright, if you like, his, what God had said to him seemed to be, everything was a mess, all because of this one man. And now he's got this one man exactly where he wants him. Hasn't he? What's going to happen next? You see, he would be justified in doing this. It would be expected in the culture that he's in that he would do this. When you get your enemy in that kind of situation, you don't even think, you just kill them because that's the expectation. All of his men expected him to do it. Look at what the Bible says in verse four. The men said, this is the day. The Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. In other words, the guys are looking at David and saying, God, this is too good to be true. God has given you the answer. If this, I mean, here he is, he's exposed, literally, in this moment. He's vulnerable. He's on his own. You can take him out. God has given him to you. Do it. Take a little bit of a time out. Can't tell you how many people have told me, how many followers of Jesus have told me over the years, God told me to do it. God must have brought that woman into the office when my marriage was so rough. 
because she listens to me. She likes me. She laughs at my jokes. It must be God because she gets me and she understands me. It must not be God, but we do it. I can't tell how many people have said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know like, like I, I, I didn't have the money, but I bought it because I really wanted it. And, and I went on social media to look at how much it cost. And then all of a sudden, all my social media platforms all started feeding me uh, advertisements for this thing. So I knew it must be God. No, it's not God. It's called an algorithm. It's called an algorithm. But you see, what we do as followers of Jesus is we justify what we want to do and we say it must be God. The opportunity opened up, therefore it must be God. Look at what God has done. It's like Jonah running away from God. He goes down to the port and he sees a boat. Must be God. There's a boat, it's a port, you mop it. (laughs) But it must be God because God has provided me with the means of escape. And you see, David could have looked and said, thank you, God, this is justified. This is expected. I am entitled to this. I wonder how many of us, even as followers of Jesus, actually think, we'll never say it out loud, but actually deep down, we're entitled. They hurt me, so I'm entitled to hurt them back. They wounded me, so I'm entitled to wound them back. They spoke ill of me, so I'm entitled to speak ill of them to other people. Just for prayer, it's not gossip. Can I just tell you about what a, what a sociopath that person is? Can I just tell you about that? What we're doing when we're doing that is we're using one of those bad options that make the mess messier. Hmm. If David did this, imagine one day, I'm, as you know, a grandparent. Imagine one day his grandkids saying to him, hey, granddad, tell us how you became the king. Well, it's like this. I was in the cave and Saul, who was my enemy, who was the king at the time, he came in for a wee. And as he kind of took his trousers down, no, granddad, don't tell me anymore. It's gross. Whatever happens next, your grandkids are going to look at it and say, you did what? You killed the king in that situation so you could become king? Is that the story you want to tell? Is that the story you want to tell? What story do I want to tell really? And if David had taken that opportunity, which was justified, which was expected, which he was entitled to, he could have said, he would have had to ignore this word, the word Virtue. We don't use this word very often in our culture now, but virtue is a really important word. And one of the best definitions I found of it is this, conformity to a standard of right. In other words, when you are a victim or when you are in a mess caused by a lack of virtue, a response which is a lack of virtue doesn't make it right. Guys, some of you need to hear that today. You're in a situation and it's not right the mess you're in. And it's caused by other people's decisions or words or whatever. But your response to that is about virtue. And what David somehow did in that moment is he put virtue to the fore. And he said, what story do I want to tell? I want to tell a story of virtue. I want to tell a story of doing what is right. Was it justified? Yes. Was it expected? Yes. Was it virtuous? No. So... What did David do? Well, let's look at what David did in the Bible. Then David crept up unnoticed and out of a corner and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, the drama is electric now, okay? If this is a movie, the music's starting to come in because it's amazing. Listen, look what happens next. 
1 Samuel 24, afterwards, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He is so sensitive to God and to virtue that even cutting off the corner of his robe, his friends wanted him to cut off Saul's head. He just cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him. And it goes on, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. And as he's leaving his way, David then comes out to the front of the cave and yoo-hoo, and calls for him and look at what happens next. See, my father, so he's talking to Saul, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Goes on to say, I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. Next slide. May the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. This is powerful stuff, isn't it? In other words, you've wronged me, but I'm not gonna wrong you back because that's not the story I wanna tell. You've hurt me, but I am not gonna hurt you back because that's not the story I wanna tell. You have wounded me, but I am not gonna wound you back because that's not the story I wanna tell. Because you see, David is clear of his responsibility and God's responsibility. And some of you need to hear that today. You're in a situation where you wanna take action and I get it because you're hurt. You wanna take revenge and I get it because you're wounded. But you gotta understand, it's God's position to do that, not yours. What story do you want to tell really? (laughs) Seven chapters later, Saul's out in battle and he gets wounded by an arrow and he dies and David becomes the king. That's the story he tells his grandkids. The one in the cave, he could have told that story. His grandkids would have looked at him, really, granddad? But the story he told was of a story of God who intervened, who made right what was wrong in his time because he asked the right question. What story do I wanna tell really? So one day your mess will be reduced to a sentence or two. It will. I was divorced. I was addicted. I was betrayed. I got hurt. I got wounded. They turned on me. I was made redundant. I had a health scare. Whatever your story is will be reduced to a sentence or two. But the real story is not just the issue. The real story is how you responded to the issue. Did you make the mess messier? Or did actually you invite God into the process and say, God, I wanna do what's right in your sight. God, I wanna trust you with all of this. And that's really hard. And I know how hard it is. And I have failed in this so many times when people have wounded me. I've just hit back at them. I know that. And maybe your situation is way more bigger than anything I've experienced. And this is hard for you to hear, but I want you to know this, that if you respond in that mess with any of those kind of bad options, you will always make the mess messier. You might feel better for a bit, but it won't last. When you hurt back, you might feel better in a bit. It's like a little bit of a hit of dopamine, but it doesn't last. It really doesn't. The only way to really be free is to do what's right. And what, so, what David says is, hey, hey, I'm gonna choose virtue over hurt you. I'm not gonna hurt you, I'm gonna choose virtue because that's the story that I want to tell. Your response is the real story. 
So what we're going to do this morning is maybe a little bit different. We're going to give a little bit of time, a little bit of space for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and into our situations. And in a crowd like this, with those of you watching in Hagley, Rowley, Clibbury and online as well, you're joining with us. There's so many stories here gathered together. Maybe you're going to join in with us later on and watch it on demand. And for you as well, there's so many stories here. But what story, not have you told, but do you want to tell? Not what's happened to you, but your response to that. So work is really tough and really pressurised and you're pressured into, into responding in all kinds of ways. But what story do you really want to tell? What's the story of virtue for you at work? What's the story for virtue for you in your relationships? They hurt you and wounded you. You want to get them back or do you want to choose virtue? What story do you want to tell? You're struggling with some area of addiction or some habit or some life controlling thing and it's a mess. And all of the time you keep choosing the things that pour water on the flood and make it worse. Maybe you could ask this question, what story do I want to tell really? What story would I want to tell my kids or my grandkids about that mess in my life and how I responded in such a way that actually the mess didn't get messier, but God came through in an amazing way. That's the story I want to tell. Do you? So what we're going to do is um, back in lockdown, remember, good old lockdown days, back in lockdown, our team, Vicky and the team, recorded a song that we don't really sing here. It was recorded during that season, but it was used all around the world, all around the world. It blessed so many people, including I know many of us. And I've asked them if they'll sing that song over you today. And then we're going to respond. And as they sing the song over you, I want you just to sit there. Don't stand and get involved just for a moment. And just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Right at the start of the talk, which was only 20 minutes ago, believe it or not. We, we welcomed God in to every place and space, didn't we? Well, He's here then by His Spirit. He will already be speaking to you. And there will be things, situations, people, faces, events come into your mind. And you know, that's the mess. That's the mess that I don't want to get messier. I want to tell a different story. And as they sing the song over you, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak into your life in that moment. And then we'll come back and we'll respond to Him. God did not fail. That's the story I want to tell. And I just sense that there are people here and online in our locations and and you're desperate to say, that's the story I want to tell, that my God did not fail. Maybe you're in, in a mess situation right now. And your prayer is that God would come into that mess and help you to choose virtue as your response. Not any of those other expected or justified or entitled responses, but you want to choose virtue as your response. Last week we said, when we stand up, God will show up. So I want to invite you in our locations here in the room, if that's you and you're in a mess in your life and you wanna ask and invite God to show up and you say, I'm gonna choose virtue in this situation, then I wanna ask you to stand right where you are and we wanna pray for you. Thank you. So that's you all around this place and in Hagley and in Rowley and Clibbury. You just stand and you say, God, I'm in a mess right now. I don't want this mess to get any messier. So God, I'm asking for you to show up in this moment. I wonder if we can lift the house lights fractionally, please. And it would be amazing if you're just sat around someone who's standing, just put your hand on their shoulder as I pray for them, just in a moment, because it's so important. And, and 
If there's others and you want to stand in this moment and receive this prayer, but you don't want to react and respond in a negative way, you want God to come and to meet you so that the story you tell is a story of God and how God did not fail. So Father, I just want to pray for every person standing here in House Owen, in Hagley, in Rowley, in Clibbury, those responding online. Jesus, would you come, Holy Spirit, would you come and flood them with your grace and with your peace. And God, I pray for good response, that we would choose virtue over hurt you that we would choose the right response, not the entitled response, not even the justified response, not even the expected one, but the right one in Your sight. And God, we'd leave the outcome up to You and we would just trust You in Jesus' Name. So Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, You would move into people's lives. You would solidify what You've said to them today. They would not leave it here in this place, but they'd take it with them. And there will be moments for all of us that come up in the next week or month or year. Let us ask the question, what story do I want to tell really? What story do I want to tell really? And may we answer that question in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite all of you to stand now and let's sing this song and worship this song and celebrate Him today. And you know, if you're not in a mess right now, be glad and be grateful. But remember, there will come a day when you will be in one. And this question could save you a lot of grief and heartache. Trust me, is this the story I wanna tell really?